listening to Dance Cinema Conversation with Anna Maria Marinov, Croatian-born and Berlin-based filmmaker, with whom I met in Zagreb, Croatia, to talk about her dance film Cycle Re, made during a two-week summer media studio in Lithuania. A tribute to Maya Deren, Cycle Re is led by the idea that nothing is truly original, and that everything is a continuation of the seeds of previous ideas and the growing spiral of adaptation. In this podcast, Anna Maria takes us through the journey of the film's development, traces the presence of Maya Deren's filmic forms, and reflects on the importance and the benefit of having mentors to help you clarify and stay true to your central visions and ideas. What inspired you to make a film that is led by the idea that nothing is original and that everything is a part of a growing spiral of discovery and adaptation? I think for a long time I was preoccupied of trying to find ways to make something that has not been made or think in a way that has not been taught or be able to add something new. But then I think the real realization came just to understand that whatever is lies on something that's already been there. And the only thing that is constant is ever-changingness of things. So if I would accept that things always change and I would accept that they come from something that already existed, then at the end it's true that it's a spiral of something that, that was already there. And of course there's this thinking that ideas could come as pure matter from I don't know where. Um, and I wouldn't say, oh, this is for sure not real, but I think the way we live our lives is really adaptation and taking things that we experienced, that we somehow saw even like with a glimpse of our eye, just like a millisecond might have stayed somewhere and developed into something much bigger years later. When I came to the summer media studio, I had to pitch a project and I was thinking like, what is actually the way I feel at the moment? And what is the notion that's been going around my head for very long? And what's the thing that I could talk about because when I came there I had I didn't have a plan of what I exactly wanted to do. I also didn't know with whom I will be working with. So at that point I realized what preoccupies me the most is trying to take everything that already exists that I've already kind of soaked in and trying to give it a new life, to give it a perspective that I see that might be different from someone else's rather than trying to, I don't know, invent something that I can't even imagine. <laughs> in a way, it's realization that we are creatively indebted to the history of art making, that the ideas have their legacies in something that's been done before, that we are this continuous flow of creativity. And one of the beautiful dance filmmakers that we are quite inspired by in making dance cinema actually is Maya Deren. And I know that your film Cycle Re is a tribute to her. 
And now I'm assuming that that is because of this thought that there is a legacy behind your own visual interests and your own creativity. Definitely. And for example, for this specific film, I was always having in mind studying choreography for camera. It's her third film, and it's the film where she is actually completely trying to break the physical boundaries of theater and trying to break this idea of like a three-walled stage and freeing the human body completely from this. So the techniques she used then were like quite astonishing, I think, for the time, because she was really combining the choreography with the camera work and the editing in a very, very connected way. And what I found interesting is when I was reading about this film, there was also an interview with her from, I think, 1945, when she said she made this film as a sample for dance films. And this, in a way, was like, I understood it personally as like, okay, this is, this is my research, and I kind of give it to all the other dance filmmakers to be able to maybe think in different ways. She really opened like a, a little window. I haven't seen anyone breaking physical space in this way that she did with editing, where like a person starts a movement in a jungle and ends up in an apartment. In your film, one of my favorite scenes is when a dancer slips from the boat into the tennis court. So now I'm realizing that's a direct reference to my dance technique. Yeah, yeah. The, like the editing style is definitely a reference and a tribute to her. The thing that maybe that I also wanted to explore is when I was working with the dancer, we tried to create movements that are circular. So she was basically doing the whole choreography. Uh, my input in it was very minimal. I just wanted to, I wanted her to create a choreography and then put her in spaces where she could repeat it, where this choreography would develop in very different ways. I didn't want her to develop a choreography, especially for the inside of a car and for a tennis court. I actually wanted to make it as an experiment and to have her in a car and then see what happens. So the editing technique is definitely a tribute. And then this part with the choreography, I would say, I think this is how we, how we live. We find ourselves in unexpected situations and we still carry all the patterns of behavior that we've been building for years. So now we have to use what we have and find our way in the surrounding that we're in. So sometimes we'll end up in a very small car and sometimes we'll end up on a big tennis court or on a boat. So she is basically performing the same movements in different locations. Exactly. Although they sometimes don't even look the same because they're very adapted to the space she's in. Of course, she wouldn't be able to do the jump that she does on an open space in the car. But there is elements of each part of the choreography in every location. Mm -hmm. And that's also how the idea of recycling is introduced into the film, because exactly. the movement is recycled throughout the film. How many different locations are we seeing in the final edit? Um, so the first one was at the sea, where we just started with circular movements. Then we go to the boat. From the boat we go to the tennis court. From the tennis court, we go to the car, and then we end up on the pier. 
So we return to the sea, which is another circular sea, moment exactly. of coming back to the water. Yeah, where she ends up in the sea, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what is significance of that final shot where she ends up in the sea? And what is significance of water in general? Well, for me, I was thinking a lot, actually, how to end it. Should I end it before she jumps in the water? Should I end it when she jumps in the water? And then, for me, water is something very wild, something we something I can't even imagine how how rich it is and how immense, like I've been born and raised at sea and it's a place that makes me feel so comforted. At the same time, it's so powerful, so vast and kind of enormous. And standing on a, on a boat in the middle of the sea always feels like being just a little tiny piece of this world. I think the sea in this case was just the idea that anything that happens next is completely unexpected, as it is always in life. Anything after this is possible, because for me, the, the feeling of being in water is really like anything is possible. Also, in my mind, the ideas that come to me while I'm floating in water are usually much more, I don't know if I can say much more interesting, but I can say that I feel like when immersed in water, the whole surrounding world just goes silent and there's, there's so much space for what's inside mm. to, to develop. So do ideas come to you in general creatively when you are in the water or by the water? Very often, or at least that's the time that I feel, okay, now I have time to think, time to dedicate mm. to myself and to projects. Yeah, for sure, um, water makes me makes me feel calmer and makes me feel more focused. Mm. Yeah. Is there a certain ritual that you maybe have before you go and shoot the scene that helps you enter a specific creative mood or mm. helps you center? Usually when I... I'm not very good, for example, at um, storyboarding. I'm not going to be able to sketch every single part and have it in mind before but um, the first time I get an idea I always have the whole thing in my head so from the beginning to the end it's like I already the film rolls in my head and then I try to put it on paper I try to do it as precisely as I can for some people it's very easy for me I think it's going to be like a whole life exercise like working on this permanently to to being able to put it down as precise as it happens in my head. Um, and I feel it's actually easier to, to explain it to someone. So for example, with the DOP, it was really, it was really nice uh, to be able to have this chance, for example, in this, in this um, residence, in this workshop, um, we had a really big freedom. Like we had equipment and, and time and, all the possible resources to just find our location, come there, and then just try out an experiment and see what works. So I would say the ritual before would be just to have enough time with myself if, if I'm shooting or with the DOP to try things out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, talking about DOP and talking about this residency, mm -hmm. uh, tell me a bit more, what is this summer media studio that you were on and as part of which this 
film actually developed. So basically the Summer Media Studio, it's been going on for like about 20 years and it's organized by the Lithuanian Academy of Music and Theatre and usually it works as a two-week workshop residence project. Um, in the year that I was there, the theme was Dance for Screen, uh, which they had a few years before as well. So sometimes the themes repeat, uh, sometimes even the tutors repeat. The year that I was there, we were staying at the Nida Art Colony, which is a beautiful um, artist residence space that was built by the academy, and it's on the seaside. And we had two tutors, Helena Jonstotir and Janet Ginslow. And basically, um, how it works is they put together creative people that are able to form a team for the particular project. So in this case, we had DOPs, editors, directors, choreographers, and dancers. When we came there the first few days, we all had dance workshops, which was amazing because everyone could participate. We could also see the dancers improvising, which was kind of their version of pitching. And after that, after like these two first days of getting to know each other and seeing people's preferences and the ways they think and also trying to physically get to know each other, which I think is very important because often the people behind the camera just stay behind the camera. And to have this experience makes you be able to understand more how you can work with movement if you have ever been a part of a movement. Um, so, and then we had to pitch our projects. And some projects were chosen to be made into films. And then we were put in teams somewhat by our preferences, somewhat by, by the decisions of the mentors and the board, which was consisting of also tutors in editing and sound designers, etc. And um, How long was the residency? Two weeks. And how much of that time was divided to making of the film? I would say the actual filming and edit editing part was about seven full days. And you had to finish the edit before you left the residency? Yeah, we had a screening and an award ceremony at the end, so everything had to be finished by the screening, which meant people were working the last days, like just 24 hours around the clock. So you didn't have much time to find locations as well, or no, the car, or, you know, all these things? Logistics were set, so we had equipment, we had vehicles, we had editing stations. Basically, we had to have an idea, work with the choreographer, dancer, find the locations, shoot it, edit it, and everything else around, the, kind of the production part, was taken over by the um, uh, organization. And in every team we had a producer, meaning there was a person in every team taking care of all of these things, of the contracts being signed and the locations, and getting the permissions for the locations, basically. My first pitch was like, the idea was there, the same idea that came out in the film was 100% there, but it was so complicated. It included like 10 dancers and this and that. And actually a part of it was contained in this theatrical vision, 
And I still had this idea of breaking the space, but I realized it was very conservative. And then the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized the idea that Maya didn't had in this, in the perfect form being the ever-changingness of things, um, is also connected to this breaking the spatial boundaries. So I was thinking, I realized actually that this doesn't, doesn't make sense to, to keep things in three walls and the stage, the audience being in front of this fourth wall, but actually I could try to play a bit with these, at least with these three walls. I don't think I was brave enough to play with the fourth wall, but maybe this will come in another project. Um, so it was very complicated, it included a lot of things and props and this and that. And after, I think the, the tutors, especially Helena, she liked the basic idea, the idea of recycling movement, the idea that we live in a way of adapting all the things that have been created, that, that have been growing inside of us. Um, and by talking to her and to Jeanette, with time it became much more simpler and simpler and simpler and simpler until I realized I actually don't need anything except a human body that can tell the whole story. So I'm very grateful to them for this input. The whole thing, like, it's really two weeks of creative boot camp. We're also talking to the mentors, like, two times a day. We had, like, a one meeting a day with them for sure, but then we would be sitting at dinner or at breakfast and we would be still, like, developing these ideas and trying to figure out what actually to do. So it changed every day. And actually, in a way, this is also the story of the film. Everything changes all the time, so... Every day there was some new input, every day there was a new idea how to, how to develop it. Mm -hmm. And do you find that working methodology of intense two weeks period of complete focus on a project may be more beneficial creatively than if you have two months to develop something and you're breaking the process by doing other things? For me, I think the intense week or I, I think I could do an intense month with no problem is definitely better because I'm then I'm all in this is the only thing I'm thinking about of course sometimes when you do other things in between you get inspiration you get inputs but I think in these cases when it's like 40 creative people living in one space in one area and constantly sharing inputs it's really happening all the time, that you get a spark or just someone's enthusiasm, you get infected by it, or someone just says a word and it spirals away in your head in something else. So I think if, it's, if you have a good team and if it's like intense two weeks, for me it's, it's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, although, of course, I mean, the idea, the kind of, I don't know if I can call it a, a philosophical idea behind the whole thing is not something that's happened there. And I'm sure also for the dancer, for Monica, it's not that this choreography just happened there and the only input she got from it was from the workshop. All of these things happened for months before and years before, I don't know. But then to have this luxury, to have all the logistics there and ready and just work on something non-stop for two weeks, for me, it's, it's really a luxury.
And the team that uh, was created for your project was uh, Monika von Schnitte, and Monika was both choreographer and dancer. Exactly. And then there was also a DOP Vismante Rusgaite. Yes. And with her together, you edited the film. Is that correct? Exactly. So there wasn't an additional editor. So it was no. three of you that were a core team on the project. Exactly. It was three of us. Monica basically developed the choreography. There were some inputs from me. I, want, I wanted to have a lot of circular movements, but I didn't want to prepare her, as I said, for like certain locations or spaces because I wanted to have it as a real-time experiment, in a way. And Vismante was very good with just trying things out on set. I knew that from this scene to that scene, I wanted this movement to be a transition, and I wanted the framing to be more or less like this, but we really worked together. She was really a DOP, she was not a camera person. And all three of you had an experience working with movement on screen before? I had very little experience. I had a film that was also made basically in three days with a performer. So this first film, which is called Concetto, came out of an experimental film workshop on a festival where I met a performer and I met her and I knew I wanted to do something with her. So first we had a three-hour interview and I had no idea what to do and then I said, maybe you just bring all your costumes and um, we just see what happens. And um, this uh, performer, her name is Maya Petrovna, she was amazing and we just started playing around. And um, in no time I realized that she's having a choreography and I'm replicating this with the camera or I'm, we're dancing together in a way. So this was a complete experiment and I'd never done dance for screen before. So I had very little experience, um, but I knew I wanted to go into this field. Monica has done mostly um, performances for stage and theater at that point, but she was incredible. She was really ready to try out anything, and Vismante was at that point still studying cinematography, but she's very talented. I think she's one of these people where she will not have a very long preparation. She will not, some DOPs have shot lists for everything. She's just very good at capturing a moment. And this is what we needed because we all kind of wanted to make it as an experiment and see what comes out of it. It wasn't that we had a perfect plan. So usually I say when, when I have an idea for a film, the whole thing develops, like already plays out in my head. And this time the specific locations when I saw them things played out but we didn't know what's going to happen with the whole thing even when we started editing we had transitions from locations but we didn't know exactly how to start we weren't sure how to end so it was really like two-week process of getting to the point of having this film. I like how you spoke about dancing with a camera with a dancer and it takes me to the question that I ask few people that I interview about the way that we find cinematic language for dance and whether it's something that happens as we develop choreography that we already think mm -hmm. in cinematic terms. Is it something that happens 
through the camera, through the way we see the dance, or is it something that actually comes together in editing, where in editing we find this cinematic language? I think for, I mean, I've seen amazing dance films where the camera is static and you look at the performer moving in space. What I found very close to me or very interesting to me is actually not to be outside of the dance, but somehow to be immersed in it and to be able to move with the dancer. It has also to do probably with the fact that I was never interested in dance as adolescent. I never went to dance classes, I never went to dance schools. And then at some point I discovered dancing really as a way to save my soul, to put my mind somehow to peace and really finding freedom in movement was for me the best kind of creative therapy. And then uh, when I got somehow into this dance for film movement on screen, I realized that I actually enjoy being as close to it as possible and researching it in, even in this like level of micro-movement. Sometimes I catch a shot of a tiny piece of hair or some, I don't know, a movement of a finger and I get so like excited and astonished by it. And then again, there's some big movements where you see the whole choreography. And I don't think one is less exciting than the other. So I would say the fact that the camera is able to go in and out of this dance, it's for me, it's really, it's the way I, w I like to do it. So it's really then in the process of filming that you personally find this cinematic language of dance because yes. then editing just is already kind of there. Editing, I find, for example, with this film and in general, editing I find uh, very, it's like a tool that helps you at the end to, to look at what this process that happened. You went into this dance and now you're able to look at it and to really put like your own touch and perspective on it by doing the edit. So, for example, at the beginning of this film, we had like a whole choreography filmed. So we had her dancing in open space. But then I realized somehow it feels the closest to me just to start with this close-ups and minimal movements and, and uh, circular movements. So the, the editing kind of gives you the chance to have this like, last decision of what you actually want to say. It's very, very important. It's not less important. And how about the soundtrack, you know, this whole experience? Because you didn't have much time to compose something, I assume, for this project. So you used the soundtrack that already exists? Yeah, we didn't have time to compose. And at the moment that we were doing the film, we were like, okay, we have to think about the music and what to do. And then Helena was basically showing us music that she worked with, and we came across this composer, Valger Sigurdsson, and I just fell in love with his music. But I was so afraid to ask this man to be able to use his tracks because, I mean, he's worked with Bjork and his music is so amazing and this is just some kind of small workshop and only my second dance film and I don't know, like, what to do. And then finally I got courage to write him an email and he wrote back and said, oh, actually I really like the film, of course you can use it.
<laughs> so this was um, this was really amazing because um, otherwise, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know how I would have found the music. It would have happened other way for sure. But this was just this was just so amazing to be able to use something that you really hundred percent want to use, and not having to make a compromise. So, so the choreography wasn't actually choreographed to that particular piece. The no, music it wasn't, came after. The music came after exactly, and um, we recorded some like folly sounds that we knew we wanted to use. But yeah, the music came after and it was really just, um, I don't know, a lucky coincidence or it had to be this way, but I'm very grateful, definitely very grateful. I'm actually very grateful to everyone that worked on this because um, getting up at three in the morning and freezing on the Baltic Sea and uh, also the mentors that were just like there to come to the editing room five times a day and talk about the same cut for hours, it's really, everyone was so dedicated and I was incredibly grateful to, to have this chance to work with people that want to explore and experiment. Mm. And one of those people is somebody that you call a real mentor now, somebody who has been quite meaningful for your creative process and I'm talking about Helena Jonsdottir. What does having a mentor mean to you? I think it's someone that's able to look at the creative chaos you're in and just filter the good things out of it or kind of put a bit of light on, on something that they see might be important. And also, in this case, someone that's... When, when you have really a strong... Like, this is something that Helen actually taught me during this film because at some point I was so confused with this beginning scene and the ending scene. And Helena said, well, if you feel in your gut this is the way you want to do it, then nothing anyone else says, including me, matters. So I think a great mentor is someone that actually is able to put the light on things that they feel important, but also push you to be able to listen to, to your gut feeling, to what you think, or to what, how you see the, this vision of yours, because at the end it's your vision. And also the fact that I mean, she's an amazing human being with so much experience, so much knowledge, and really uh, great inputs. But besides her, I'm also very grateful to our other mentor, to Jeanette Ginslow. And I would say maybe the difference between her and Helena were that Jeanette was... Um, her biggest impact on the work was maybe to, like, pushing us to put it simpler, to put it more simpler. And... I was also definitely very grateful for this. Um, and we had very different relationships with both. And this was also something amazing because sometimes Helena would say one thing and Jeanette would say another thing. And then in between there was this space created where I actually had the chance to find myself and to find where, where I want to go. So I would say, yeah, having a mentor, having someone that's going to be there and dedicated to, to your work is, it's amazing. It's really a blessing to have. Thank you for listening to Dance Cinema Podcast, where we feature conversations with the makers of dance films and videos. From directors to dancers, cinematographers to editors, 
costume to sound designers. To watch their videos, head to dancecinema.org.